7.30 on Thursday, and the winner of that game plays Michigan State, the three seed. So let's go through them game by game first. Um, we'll, we'll do everything but the Michigan uh, edge of the bracket. First, the 4-5 game, Wisconsin-Illinois. Wisconsin. Yeah, you got to think Wisconsin. I mean, Illinois has been a good team at times this year, but, I mean, that came more in the middle of the season, and since then, I mean, they've been really shaky, and Wisconsin just beat them by 15 uh, at Illinois this weekend, so... Yeah, I mean, as much as I, I dislike Wisconsin, I think they probably win that game too. Trayvon Hughes, not a guy I like, but he's capable of stepping up in uh, big situations. And that big, stupid Nankaville guy, he's like 6'11", and he yeah. shoots 100% from three. Yeah, he's uh, he's a good player. Yeah. Very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Northwestern, Indiana is the 7-10 game. Uh, again, uh, we could argue this. I thought the seven seed was the best seed to have of the uh, bottom six. Uh, only because if you Purdue's then... Purdue's injury, yeah. Yeah, if you, you play Indiana, who's not a very good team, despite the fact that you're basically playing a road game, and then after Indiana, you've got Purdue with Hummel's injury. And anything could happen after that, uh, because, you know, I know Michigan played such an awful game against Michigan State, but <laughs> a week before, they crushed Minnesota. I mean, yeah. it was an unbelievably well-played game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Harrison Sims looked like NBA prospects again. It was amazing. Zach Gibson led our team yesterday in points. What a dumb team. What a dumb team. It's very frustrating. They'll play one of those games again. You know, one of those uh, looking like a good team game again, and they'll lose. It'll be Iowa, though. It'll be Iowa. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be Iowa. So Northwestern, Indiana, I think Northwestern wins this game. I'm still uh, impressed with Northwestern and what they've done. They're not a tournament team yet, uh, but they definitely have built the team that will be there, I think, next year with that kid Crawford. Crawford's great. Yeah. Yeah. Sherna will be a junior next year. He's a... Deadly shooter, and yeah, is Coble he gets a medical redshirt this year. Will he be back the following year? Yeah, so that I would be quite so. a team. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. That'd be quite. Yeah, a that's team. amazing what they did this year without Kevin Coble. Isn't it was, amazing? He was like, and you know, looking at what they have coming up with Indiana, Purdue, and then like you said, that bottom half, even a Michigan State that's been pretty inconsistent this year. Look, I mean, Northwestern has a shot to make a run. Well, that's what I'm saying. They could they, beat they, Purdue. You know? Yeah, that's they could beat Purdue. Michigan State could seems a lot State. tougher. But if they beat Purdue, I mean, they're in the semis. and Anything can happen. Yeah, Especially if, when you're playing teams that are in already, resting for games four days from then. Yeah, I mean, if there's any team that can that is the dark horse in this tournament, as much as I'd like to say it's Michigan, it's definitely not, and it's Northwestern. Yeah, but I think if Michigan had been the seventh seed, you could at least see a run. Uh, I think it'll be tough going through Ohio State and then uh, likely Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> assuming they beat Iowa, which is far from assumption that we should make given the way that they almost lost to Iowa and Iowa yeah. earlier this year, if not for a miracle three from Deshaun Sims. They uh, should have lost Iowa, yeah. Minnesota, Penn State. Um, and again, Penn State's been playing better recently. I still think Minnesota's the more skilled team, uh, but they have also been remarkably inconsistent this year. A team that coming into the year looked like a tournament team will not be there. Yeah. That's like half the Big Ten, though. Yeah. <laughs> it really <laughs> it, is. <laughs> there's not much left to say about these Big Ten teams. I mean, Michigan, locked for the tournament before the season, losing record. I mean, Minnesota's done a much better job than Michigan, at least staying above 500 and staying in the thick of things. But, uh, yeah. It, I mean, I think Minnesota's going to win. But look out. I mean, Penn State has been – Taylor Battle has been playing very well as of late. and. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll, we'll save the rest of our picks for Friday because that's when these games will be played. It'll be a little bit tardy on that, but uh, we'll save the rest of our picks for then. 
But that's the Big Ten tournament starting on Thursday, Michigan-Iowa, uh, the relevant game to us on Thursday at 2.30 on ESPN2. That'll be the first game played in the tournament. You know, actually, with it, where Michigan is in the bracket, too, I, I don't think it's the worst spot they could have been in either. I no, mean, you're, I, you're right about mm-hmm. that. I mean, I, I might have worried about them a little more even in that Minnesota spot, playing Penn State the first round and then playing Michigan State after what we just saw. Oh, I agree. Yeah. But Ohio State is a team that is very talented and good, but at the same time, they don't always come out and play their best game. And they also only have those six guys. So if you get them into foul trouble early, uh, particularly <coughs> Evan Turner, if you attack him Who's and somehow, somehow get him into foul trouble then you're going to have a lot of tired guys for Ohio State playing in that second half. And if you can just hang in there, Michigan could come out with a win if they play like they did against Minnesota and play like they did in one of those few good games we saw this year. And after that, Wisconsin is, of course, the team you don't want to have to face because the second time you played Wisconsin, they got hot. But if you look at how Michigan has played Wisconsin, they almost won that game on the road at the Kohl Center. Uh, if they didn't blow it in those last few minutes. And when Wisconsin came to Chrysler, it wasn't really that Wisconsin outplayed Michigan so much. It was that Wisconsin couldn't miss. I mean, they shot 68% from the field. And Michigan was playing pretty good defense, but Wisconsin was making anything they threw up. Mm -hmm. So I'm not so convinced that Wisconsin would blow Michigan out of the arena. So if you look, Michigan, first of all, of course, has to take care of business against Iowa. But then if you can get... Evan Turner into foul trouble against Ohio State and make them play with five very tired guys in that second half. You could pull off an upset, and then what? Like we've been saying for all the other teams, if you get to the semifinals, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? What at that was point. Iowa's seed when they won the Big Ten tournament a few years ago? They were barely five hundred yeah, when remember. they won it. I mean, they were like right where Michigan was. So I mean, you never anything can happen. It's not like a foregone conclusion. I mean, you had a lot of ifs there. If they can get Evan Turner into foul trouble, you know, if Wisconsin doesn't shoot lights out like they did before. But, but nothing's, I mean, those nothing's impossible in March. And those aren't terribly big ifs because uh, it's just one little thing you can do against Ohio mm-hmm. State. They already beaten them, of course, without Evan Turner. So if you can take him and limit his role in the game, that sets you up pretty well. And then Wisconsin, a team, Michigan still, I mean, they almost beat him at the Kohl Center, which is the toughest place to play and beat a Wisconsin team. And if it, on a neutral court, who knows what will happen. And then we could have Michigan-Northwestern in the final. <laughs> hey, wouldn't that be a great final? That would be something else, wouldn't it? I, well, the I mean, way we well, played against Northwestern, though, I don't think I want Yeah, that. I mean, well, we'd probably get go 0 for 3 against the Wildcats this year if we, that happens, but... I apologize. Uh, we, we thought we had till 7 o'clock. That is no longer the case. Oh, so okay. we're going to have to uh, abruptly end the show without going into a uh, host of other things, unfortunately. You found the uh, sign, though. But, again, a look out for us this week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the Daily Sports Reports. Friday night, game of the week uh, from 7 to 10. And we'll see if we send people to Michigan State. Either way, Michigan hockey has the big story this weekend with uh, the team playing Michigan State in the CCHA quarterfinals. So for everyone in studio, I'm Jeremy saying so long and good night from Ann Arbor. Navarre gives to Perry. Perry through the middle. Touchdown, Michigan! And the Wolverines have won it in overtime. Michigan wins by a score of 27 to 24, and the team storms the field to mob Chris Perry.
WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor, WCBN.org. Grabs on to attempt to pour the Wolverines. Holds her breath, Ann Arbor, as the bar gets set. Places down, kick is up. It's long enough. It's good! It's good! Michigan wins the game! Michigan shocks Washington, and the Wolverines are victorious! You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The sports department would like to thank you for your continued support of the University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss knocks over Tambellini, winds up and he scores! Just Tambellini lets a laser go from the near side circle and the Wolverines take a 1-0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Tambellini. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Oh, some minor uh, signals got crossed up today. I guess our reliable engineer, Andrew, had to venture off to Washington, sort of on an emergency situation type thing. So we're on a little late, but uh, as the saying goes in show business, the show must go on. Indeed it must. And, uh, yeah, the healthcare show keeps uh, continuing. It looks to me like there's going to be a kind of a final showdown at the OK Corral. <laughs> I don't know who Doc Masterd- Masterdon is, but... Uh, or at the RX Corral. What a mess. Uh, what a disaster. Uh, I don't know whether we're going to take two steps forward or two steps backward, whether this is going to be the, the big issue in the upcoming... Uh, midterm elections, though I suspect the economy will be the main one. But it's clear what the goals of the different parties are. And as imperfect as the Democratic uh, reform is and Obama's sort of minor missteps and maybe handing the ball off to Max Baucus, who and his topsiders got in a canoe and tried to cross the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> on his way to reforming health care. Um, once again, I uh, wanted to recommend this book that I finished, uh, The Healing of America by T.R. Reed. This is a comparative analysis of various uh, healthcare systems around the world compared to the United States. And what's interesting is that the um, American system, as he points out, is a hodgepodge of uh, systems. Most, most countries have one system. And he uh, characterizes the systems as basically the British system, the Canadian system, and the Bismarck model. Uh, the Germans, interestingly, 
have had uh, uh, sort of an organized national health care system since 1883. Otto von Bismarck Give, wanted to keep the workers happy. Gives you an idea of how far America's behind uh, the, the uh, ball here. And as uh, T.R. Reed points out, the big problem uh, in America and understanding the health care systems is that we get ridiculous propaganda about how bad these systems are when, in fact, uh, our system ranks 37th globally. And because of our hodgepodge of uh, health care systems that we have, as I predicted uh, last week, if we, even, if we don't take the two steps forward uh, with this compromise uh, legislation that appears to be some sort of a reconciliation model in which the House uh, passes the Senate bill as is, and then we go into some sort of uh, repair job, then we're going to continue with our system. And I wanted to read uh, the basic concept of these models because I think it's a really perfect illustration of what's wrong with the American healthcare care system. Uh, it's not so much that there's, quote, socialized medicine that the critics of American, of the, quote, Obama plan or that the government is going to take over health care. It's that America has a hodgepodge of systems, a sort of patchwork uh, concept. Reed writes, for most working people in America were Germany or France or Japan. In the sta standard Bismarck model, the worker and the employer share the premiums for a health insurance policy. The insurer picks up most of the tab for treatment with the patient either making a copayment or paying a percentage. For Native Americans, military personnel and veterans were Britain or Cuba. The VA and much of the Pentagon's TriStar, uh, TriStar system involved doctors who are government employees working in a government-owned clinic or hospital following the beverage model. He was the British uh, parliamentarian that introduced this health care system that was ultimately passed, incidentally, when uh, Winston Churchill was thrown out of office shortly after World War mm -hmm. II. Uh, Americans in these systems never get a medical bill. The Indian Health Service also provides free care in government clinics. For those over 65, we're Canada. U.S. Medicare is essentially a national health care insurance scheme with n near universal participation and low administrative costs. Americans with end-stage renal disease, regardless of age, are also covered by Medicare. This group had enough political clout to get what it wanted from Congress, and uh, the dialysis community, quote-unquote, opted for coverage under the government-run NIH system. This is called the single-payer system. And then he notes that the, for, for the 45 uninsured Americans were Cambodia, Burkina Faso, or rural India. These people have access to medical care if they can pay the bill out of pocket. And can even get there. At the time of treatment or if they're sick enough to be admitted to the emergency ward at a public hospital or if they have no access to a charity clinic. And yet, like no other country, because the United States maintains so many separate systems for separate classes, and because it relies so heavily on for profit, private insurance plans to pay the bills, that's the system we have. All other companies have settled on one model for everybody, on the theory that this is simpler, cheaper, and fairer. 
with this fragmented array of providers and payers and overlapping systems, the U.S. health healthcare system doesn't fit into any recognized model. And it's one of the reasons why we have 20% of our health care costs are, quote, administrative costs mm-hmm. that are much higher than European systems, much more inefficient. And, of course, because insurers make profits and are now imposing massive inf- you know, premium fees that we've learned about over the last couple of weeks all over the country, what it means is that even if you have health insurance, your employer is either likely to reduce coverage or ask for greater co-payments. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to pay more out of pocket either way. And I think that this book, uh, through the anecdote of his uh, bad shoulder in which he goes around the world to uh, get treatment for it, to compare what he would get, what it would cost, and whatnot, concludes, of course, that the French system, the German system, the Japanese system is the best. They have the highest life expectancy. It's not a socialized medicine system. It's a regulated insurance system in which you can pick doctors, uh, and uh, it's it's basically uh, profits are, you know, they're publicly regu- regulated utilities, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's a much more efficient system with a certain amount of choice and also includes uh, the ability, if you're wealthy, to pay for um, uh, higher insurance uh, plans if you so choose. So when you hear these anecdotes about people from, quote, foreign company uh, countries coming to America for, you know, heart, trans- or, you know, the Shah of Iran... <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day when he was on the boat. Uh, th- those kinds of stories are third world countries where very, very wealthy people like the Shah, <laughs> who, of course, pilfered all of his money from the uh, oil revenues, can pay for a private top-notch medical attention. Yeah. And America has top-notch uh, quality care in terms of the doctors, but it's this hodgepodge of systems that's creating the problem, these big holes in the system. And as I predicted last week, if we don't change this system with some incremental progress, progressive steps, in five years we're going to discover that Medicaid is no longer available as a, as a system, and those people are simply going to be added to the uninsured, and we're going to be in real trouble. Do you think that the average American who's inclined to believe the sort of shrill uh, condemnations of any attempt to go with a government-supported uh, system Are these people just simply misled by industry propaganda, uh, or is there some sort of bizarre nativist idea that, well, we're America, why should we take Japan's example? Uh, I mean, why are Americans, so many Americans who are so desperately in need of uh, insurance, so skeptical and and paranoid about uh, an attempt to say, for example, follow the Canadian model? Yeah, well... Canada's a pretty stable and successful country. As Reed argues in the book, the problem isn't so much, quote, socialized medicine, it's, quote, foreign medicine, as if foreign medicine is somehow bad. Let's remember that a lot of medical advances in the history of medicine mainly occurred in Europe, for the record. Uh, Pasteur, uh, Lister, <laughs> uh, penicillin was invented in Britain. Uh, we could go on and on here. But the idea that the United States has some sort of monopoly on all the great ideas <laughs> just isn't true when it comes to health care. And 
you know, we need to remember that once once the government got involved in uh, Medicare, life expectancy in the United States went up. It went up for a variety of reasons throughout the 20th century, mainly related to sanitation issues, uh, mainly related to diseases that kill people in third world countries like cholera and diarrhea and are waterborne diseases mm-hmm. are one of the keys to, to any sort of public health care system. Well, the public health care system is connected to the infrastructure system. The government right. built the plumbing systems in urban areas that reduced uh, diseases. People used to throw the uh, sewage out in the street. <laughs> Many famous people died from cholera Indeed. over the years. And uh, I think that this T.R. Reid book is a rational approach that shows that America is actually slipping uh, globally in health care because of this patchwork of systems that we have that are unfair and inadequate. And not only that, but it's reducing Americans' competitiveness economically. Uh, and with all of the pressure that we have on the economy, for instance, we just had more job cuts announced uh, in the unemployment uh, data, more and more Americans are losing their health care coverage. How long can the government, for instance, pick up, and I forget the name of the plan, where you, if you lose your job, you can still maintain your coverage through the government for nine months or something. COBRA, that's it. Uh, isn't that a snake? It's a rather unfortunate <laughs> acronym, yeah. It does not sound like you want to snuggle up to a cobra. But cobra, yes. Any port in a storm. That's the portability uh, thing, but that's limited. And we just saw Mr. Bunning. Uh, I wanted to read this limerick again. I thought it was rather clever. There once was a senator named Bunning who was known not to be very cunning. This bill is not paid for. He whined from the floor. His cruelty... His hypocrisy was stunning. <laughs> he, of course, was finally uh, trounced over the week as he held up an uh, um, extension of unemployment benefits. But I believe connected to that was actually COBRA payments mm. uh, that, were going to, that were directly going to cost thousands of Americans their health insurance. <laughs> uh, COBRA's cut off. You're cut off. Then you... Go into the third world form of medicine. Yeah. Now, let's remember that China, by the way, that, of course, uh, is competing with us uh, substantially in the economic realm, doesn't have Social Security. They don't have Medicare or Medicaid. They have a third world health care system. Now, uh, the Chinese diet is superb. There are ancient Chinese secrets for many medicines uh, that... uh, Sometimes work. This is known as alternative medicine, which T.R. Reid goes into in his book. And I think it's very interesting. I think that the big failure of this real health care reform bill, part of it was the media jumped on on the disinformation that was created uh, back in late summer of last year. Mm. The death panels that uh, Sarah Palin talked about and Grassley pulling the plug on grandma just been a lot of deliberate disinformation. Cartoonish, supervillain type stuff. Outright lies. Yeah. And the message somehow uh, got muddled. The Democrats were still squabbling on the details. And it's uh, sad that it's turned out this way because it is a muddle. And um, we don't know if we're going to get anything. 
But I do know that uh, if we don't get anything, we're going to take two steps backward. We've already seen a big uh, health insurer in California raise their premiums 40%. And it's interesting that just over the weekend, um, there was a... uh, a report by the delightful corporation, the investment bank Goldman Sachs, that the, it's being reported that the White House is using this report because it's a financial analysis by uh, the Goldman Sachs New York Investment Bank that recommends investors buy uh, insurance companies like United Healthcare Group and Cigna because insurance rates are going up and competition is going down. And uh, the analyst on this, uh, Mr. Lewis, said uh, in uh, the transcript, quote, not only is price competition down from a year ago, but the trend, healthcare inflation, is also up and appears to be rising. The incumbent carriers seem more willing than ever to walk away from existing business, resulting in some carrier charges. The report also indicated that employers are reducing benefit levels in some cases by adding deductibles for prescription drug coverage in addition to co-payments and raising other out-of-pocket costs for employers as a way of lowering the cost of insurance without increasing annual premiums and employee contributions to them. Wall Street wants this bill to fail, and they want you to buy the insurance companies that are going to benefit from this for-profit model that the United States continues to maintain. The key with the German model and the French model that T.R. Reid claims are the best and have been rated the best uh, by the World Health Organization in terms of quality of care, cost, efficiency. By the way, these these countries have digitized cards already that has your DNA and blood type and all the medical. medical profile, health records. Health record, the whole thing, and that's what's needed. What's America doing? It's still dealing with paperwork. Uh, It's just a hodgepodge system. And the profits are controlled. And you are allowed to drop your insurer uh, at any time and go with another one. And as as I say, because the profits are controlled, the... uh, and regulated like utilities, the uh, the costs are less, and they have much lower administrative costs. By the way, the, the highest life expectancy in the world continues to be Japan, and uh, that is largely because of diet. If they want to start with real health care reform in the United States, what they need to do is is to start ending the agricultural subsidies, right? Tax, soda pop. Cornstarch-related products. Change yeah. the food stamps program so that you can't buy junk food, sweet, sweet sugary food. Right. Um, Cookies and candies. Bad, you know, bad processed meats, those sorts of things, and force people to, uh, instead of pulling the plug on grandma, why don't we start listening to her? There's an old saying, don't eat any food that your grandmother wouldn't recognize as food. Don't eat those TV dinners. <laughs> Don't eat that fast food. Chicken McWhatchamacallit? Get a little more exercise. Uh, and, you know, prevention is worth a, a pound of cure, and there has not been enough discussion of that issue. Health, not health care costs. Too much right. conversation about that. In another area, too, where, you know, spending on children and children's health is cheap, and uh, it's it's just foolish 
to uh, ignore opportunities to provide uh, health care for children uh, when it's only going to lead to more expensive uh, health problems down the line. Um, and uh, especially with developing minds, you know, that leads to other problems, uh, bad nutrition and so forth. Well, we're, uh, look, if that clock is correct, we're uh, approaching the top of the hour. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I want to quickly mention that uh, next week at this time, the station will be underway with its fundraiser. And uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, obviously, economically tight times around, but uh, WCBN is an important local resource uh, for you, the listener. And uh, we look forward to engaging with the listening public in our fundraiser, annual fundraiser activity uh, for a week. Yeah, and by the way, it's been announced officially that uh, we have been approved, I believe. I've read this in the newspaper. It's got to be true. Well, Rogers once said, I only <laughs> believe what I read in the newspaper. Um, charming wit there. But, uh, yeah, we, we have been sort of uh, theoretically approved for an increase in wattage for our uh, transmitters. So we'll Exciting news, yeah. Is part of this uh, effort this this year in particular to uh, hasten the process. And I should quickly add that one of our fa- all-time favorite uh, Gray Matters uh, Brain Damage Awards during fundraiser is To Kill Him, the uh, orca whale down oh, in yeah. SeaWorld. Uh, he was in the news recently. Of course, we gave a Brain Damage Award to the homeless man that decided to take a swim. With the orca. With the orca. Uh, he killed a trainer recently, but let's not blame the orca. She had a long ponytail that this whale thought was probably food, an eel. <laughs> Whales are hardwired <laughs> to seek prey. <laughs> and it's very unfortunate, but let's not blame orca. And this is not w- Kill Willie or what? what is it called? Free, <laughs> free Willie. Willie. Free <laughs> Willie. Kill Willie. <laughs> kill Willie. We can't kill him. We can't free him either. This this uh, it's Guantanamo Bay for you, Willie. Yeah. <laughs> You're stuck in Florida. You were raised in captivity. Dick Cheney may be your new master. <laughs> now that would be too cruel. What is Dick Cheney doing in Jacques Cousteau outfit with a whip and chain? <laughs> well, next week I may read a few quotes from uh, Gideon Rockman's. Uh, Critique of the Sarah Palin book. He's got an interesting piece entitled How Reagan Ruined Conservatism, (laughs) in which he identifies the rot uh, that currently infests what he calls traditional conservatism begins with Reagan. Now, just one brief excerpt. If it is ignorance you are after, then Miss Palin is definitely your woman. Yeah, and I think that the key with Reagan and Palin is that they rely on the anecdote, the story. And I've heard these false uh, populism experts claim that Obama's problem is he needs to tell more stories. He needs to get control of the narrative. And I thought, well, that is the problem with Obama. He's kind of a sober, kind of realistic guy. And, yeah, maybe there needs to be a little bit uh, less uh, college professor and a little more Santa Claus. <laughs> in Barack Obama. I even heard there was a controversy the other day. You know, the Republicans, they manufacture so many fake things. They said that Obama got weighed with his shoes on for his checkup and that he was lying about his weight. 
<laughs> impeach, impeach. And I thought, okay, we all know he's a slender guy. Who cares that <laughs> that he's Sarah Palin would never lie about her weight. <laughs> it's very rare that somebody you know wants to lie upward about their weight. <laughs> what what a ridiculous controversy. Oh, well, we are out of.